What's up, everybody? Liam from Cult of Classics here. Quick announcement before we start the show. Um, we have some exciting news for you, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a little pain on all of our part, but we're going to come out better on the other side. Uh, we are going to be uh, taking a short break from production, from releasing episodes every week, uh, and we are going to be shifting into releasing the show in seasons. So what does that mean? Why are you abandoning us? Are we getting two Christmases? No, none of that. None of that. Um, we are going to be taking some steps to actually improve the production quality of the show. We want to do things that are more interesting dynamically to listen to. It makes the show more fun for everybody, like uh, including audio clips and music and drops and, and fun stuff. And because Tarver is our you know sole editor for this show and for Tap Snaps, our other podcast that we release weekly... Um, we want to give some time to him to actually, you know, help us improve our product and help you guys have something better to listen to. So we're going to be on a short break for a few weeks while we get all of our content together and allow Tarver some time to actually edit the show together and make it awesome and a lot of fun for everybody. Um, so we'll be making an announcement after we've recorded all of our next uh, season's episodes of when we're going to be releasing the second season, but it is coming uh, and it's going to be dope. So thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, enjoy the episode next week and we will see y'all in a few weeks after that. Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit. It's not my problem. We don't have to be mean because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Conan, what is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear a lamentation of their women. Groovy. Can you hammer a six-inch spike through a board with your penis? Not right now. A girl's got to have her standards. It gives her a sense of control in a world full of chaos. I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of a ruling class, especially since I rule. You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. Welcome to Cult of Classics, the podcast that's love for you is like a truck berserker. <laughs> Would you like some making fuck berserker? That's right. We're talking about clerks this week, boys. Talking about I'm Liam Kelly. Talking about <laughs> talking this, about talking about talking about talking about this Tarver Peterson. Yeah, right here, sitting next to me. Um, and we are talking about Kevin Smith's 1994 uh, legendary in terms of actual like film. Film like getting a film, and I don't. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was almost gonna say filmmaking, and I was like, well, kind of. Well, but like get it, like getting your getting film a film made. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, opening thoughts on Clerks. It is the aspiring filmmaker wet dream. The story of this movie. Getting At least if anybody was born. Um, first of all, you probably turn your volume up a little bit. I can barely hear you. Oh well, okay. Yeah. Um, anybody that's sorry, anybody that's born in the late eighties, early nineties, and you saw Clerks at any time during your adolescence, this was the indie film that made you say, "Oh, I can make a movie." Yeah, well, because, like, so Kevin Smith was really inspired by Slacker to make yep. this movie. And, like, Slacker is, a, is like, one of those film school, like, everybody knows about it movies where it's just, like, also super low-budge, like, super avant-garde concept. But then, like, this is the actual, this is, like, a, a career-making, like, version of that. Because, yeah. like, so the legend goes, 
Kevin Smith uh, sells his comic book collection, uses some auto settlement money, and maxes out his own credit cards to get $27,000 together. Well, and the auto settlement money came, was actually FEMA checks that came from uh, his car and Jason Mewes' car being um, flooded. Flooded. Yeah. And um, he ta- so he takes $27,000 and he films this like super indie, dialogue-driven comedy in the fucking convenience store that he works in at night. He said that he would work until 11 p.m., close the shop, and then they would come in and film until like 4 in the morning. And then he would like get a couple hours of sleep and come back into work in the morning. Yeah. Um, and he does some really interesting things to um, to make that budget work. Like he, he uses some low production tricks and some really tactical writing. Um, like the low production tricks would be like the clog locks, keeping the shutters like keeping mm-hmm. the shutters closed so he doesn't have to work with light and shooting in black and white to have, avoid having to do any kind of color correction. Yeah. Um, really help camp tamp down the budget and it keeps the film the black and white especially keeps it visually interesting and different enough from a lot of movies that were being made um to make it still like fun to watch um i say that's still an effective technique today yeah for sure do shoot low budget shooting black and white's a good option yeah because it just eliminates a whole process of like of of your it eliminates a whole section of your post-production process yeah um, so then he does that. He uses like l- unknown actors almost entirely. And then he sells it to Miramax and it grosses over $3 million in theaters and boom, like Kevin Smith, it's like, you're now a professional director. Congratulations. Yep. You won. Like yeah. you, you gambled $27,000 and you won. Um, the movie itself is endlessly quotable. I mean, the, when you talk about clerks, the, the biggest strength by far is the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who's worked a, a dead end job can, really fiercely relate to the main characters and their contempt for everybody who just who isn't, isn't them. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, though the character I relate to in my thirties is just the, the, the angry guy who really wants to turn his, return his video and Randall isn't oh, there yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just a huge prick. And Dante's like, I'm gonna throw your keys away. And I'm like, wow, Dante, you a big piece of shit for that one. Bro. Yeah. Cause he was 100% <laughs> in the right. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, he is right. You're wrong. You're an asshole, and he is good. <laughs> and, and that guy was actually just a, a shopper. Yeah. He's not an actor. He was just a, a, a shopper that Kevin Smith had been convinced to do it. Yeah, you got to scrape. You got to scrape to get people. And he was like, you look like you could be mad. He's like, I'm fucking mad right now. You're filming a movie while I'm at this store. <laughs> um, and wh- while I love Clerks as a teenager, I now can't seem to get over how much I would just want to just slap across their little faces, Dante and Randall, if I worked with them. Like, yeah. just do do better. It, it is it is weird, the going from watching it when I was, like, 13 and just falling in love with the characters, yeah. thinking they were the coolest people on this planet. So cool. Same thing I thought about Empire Records when I first saw it. Yeah. And, and the dialogue, thinking it was the c- most clever shit I'd ever heard. And to be honest, it, it really does still stand up. A lot of it really does. I mean, the, the storytelling and the characters' flaws are sort of immature, and you could tell that Kevin Smith was really young when he wrote it, but the, yeah. the dialogue is still very well written. And it's funny. Like, it holds, it's still funny now. It is still funny. Um, but, but, but in terms of, like, liking the characters, I can't really do that anymore. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to like these motherfuckers. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Smith's dialogue, really crisp. He can write the shit out of a snappy exchange. But where, like, where somebody like Aaron Sorkin writes these characters who also talk really fast and, like, are almost superhuman 
to account for their quickness and their, their offhand knowledge and access to like statistics and information that nobody should rightly have. He, he writes these incredibly intelligent and powerful people like like the political phenomenons on West Wing and like Mark Zuckerberg and shit like that. Like people who, somebody who's leading a newsroom on newsroom, like for a major network. Um, Smith write, writes characters who are masters of like the inane. Like he, yeah. they are masters of like trivial goofiness. Right. But they still are very snappy and they have very hard opinions, but just the shit that they're talking about isn't like, you know, world economies and, and like, you know, military tactics. They're just talking about like whether Jedi, Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back is better. Well, I think Dan Harmon does that too, kind of in the modern era is they, he takes something uh, very trivial and takes it very seriously. So you take something trivial and then you make it very serious by how seriously you take it. Yeah. And that's what makes it interesting. And that's what Kevin Smith does. Yeah. And that's when he's at his best. That's what he's doing. Yeah, because you can tell in the conversations that they're having, the, the topics, even though they're silly and pointless, are very important to the people yeah. who are discussing them. Very important. Um, so let's jump on in to uh, Act 1. Um, Dante gets called into work, though he's not even supposed to be there today. Um, mm-hmm. We get the montage of him opening the store and making the frame, like, I assure you, we are open banner. And that sums up Dante's character completely. He spends yeah. way longer than he needs to making a sign that could just say open he makes it gigantic. He uses yep. shoe polish and cloth to make it. And, like, he, he makes himself smell like shoe polish all day to make his little, like, quirky sign. And he shoots himself in the foot from minute one. <laughs> um, we and, and it's also strange that he did that because, to me, it would just seem logical to just be like, oh, okay, maybe nobody will come into the store. Yeah. Have the shutters down and I can leave early. Like, I don't have to work as hard. But he's just... Dante's whole thing is imprisoning himself in a shitty situation, but acting like it's everybody else's fault. Um, yeah, that what, is so. So it's very appropriate. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's a, I mean, it's a good it's a good device to show that from yeah, from the is. jump. Like it's good writing. It's just a bad character. <laughs> um, we get the Chulis gum scene, which is great dialogue. It's a great sketch idea. Yeah. Um, a lot of this movie is like it's like a string of really funny sketches woven together by like just enough plot to to make it a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we meet Veronica, learn that Dante's a college dropout, and she's sucked 37 dicks, but not in a row. <laughs> um, apparently, the guy who's the script reader at Miramax, the producer, read the in a row line, and he laughed so hard that he just stopped reading the script and went to go and try and get it greenlit. Like, Really? Yeah, he just thought that was so fucking funny. He was like, all right, we're going to make it, which just shows like... <laughs> You, you gambling? <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah, take yeah. twenty seven thousand dollars off, and somebody, somebody just reads like five pages into your script, and is like, "Yeah, we'll make it." <laughs> they could just easily as easily happen the other way. Uh, but Randall shows up. He doesn't give a fuck about his job, and he hates all the customers. And he's a gem. <laughs> Smith, uh, Kevin Smith wrote a lot of the the best lines for Randall, thinking that he would play the part. Yeah, which makes sense why Randall just is. Probably the funniest character in the whole movie. He is the funniest yeah. character, yeah. <laughs> he, he definitely has some some of the best lines. I think Kevin Smith very rightly realized that he couldn't act. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, I'm jumping ahead to where his character, Silent Bob, actually does speak one line in the movie. It's at the very end. Yeah. yeah, and it's only, he was originally not, he was actually going to be silent, but Jason Mewes 
was so camera shy and so like such a novice actor that he couldn't he just couldn't handle the the line delivery. So Kevin Smith had to do it. Another really good example of that is the dancing scene um, where it's uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith and they dance in that like one light. Yeah. I mean, literally, that thing is, I, I'm betting it's lit by one harsh light and maybe, maybe a fill, but I think it's lit by just one harsh light and they dance outside. Yeah. Um, the, Jason, uh, the set had to be cleared. Yeah. To allow for Jason Muse to feel comfortable enough to do that dance. Yeah. Oh, he's a, I mean, like, he is a bona fide kid in this Yeah, movie. he's really young. He's just, like, some kid who Kevin Smith thought was hilarious. And he was like, I'm going to put you in a movie. And it was, <laughs> he really made some, he he made some allowances for Jason Muse that probably nobody else ever would have made. <laughs> if he was like, can we clear the set so I can do a little dance out under this light? Somebody would have been like, no. Get somebody else in here right now. <laughs> like, Yeah, um... But to be fair to Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes does have uh, a certain magnetism. Yeah. There's some of, I mean, it's it's for real. He's like, got a presence for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's now, as I, I watched the most recent Kevin Smith film, James Silent Bob Strike Back 2, I mean, it is weird. Like, you can see the heavy toll that drugs and alcohol have taken on him. Yeah. But it's still, he's still Jay. Yeah. So, it, you That's know, good. you think Jay's cool when you're young. Yeah, Silent Bob, you a rude motherfucker. You know that, but you're cute as hell. I could go down on you, suck you, line up three other guys, make like a circus seal. Ooh, <laughs> I hate guys. I, I love women. women. <laughs> so fucking good. He's, he's just an insane little man. Yeah, but, he's uh, really short in this. He's he's really young. Yeah, he's like he's got some growing left to do. Yeah, <laughs> like some significant growing. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So back back to the plot. We um, from from the like from the time that. Uh, Dante and Veronica have their they have their fight at the beginning. The rest of the movie is just Dante and Randall like watching the customers and having little fucking con- like offhand conversations. And there's like little tiny bits of pro- plot interspersed. Um, so later on, Veronica will come back to the quick stop with lasagna, and she is far too good for Dante, which is why she brought him the lasagna <laughs> because he's also secretly trying to win back his shitty ex girlfriend, Caitlin Bree. And Randall is real with him about Caitlyn from the beginning. He's like, uh, she just cheated on you a bunch, and you're a big old dummy. And Dante's like, oh, I want you to be here today. Um, so, yeah. He's that, like recurring lame line throughout the movie. Yeah, I think he says it like five times. Um, but, yeah, that's going to bring us into Act 2, where stuff actually happens. Um, <laughs> Dante learns that he is stuck at work. And not going to be leaving at noon like he thought he was because... Oh, I think the lasagna comes way later, bud. Like, uh, he learns the stuff about that, um, his boss, uh, pretty early. And I think lasagna is even after he plays hockey. If I'm... No, the lasagna is before he plays hockey. I don't know about that. It is. Okay. Yeah, and he, uh, he I think he, uh, he might find out, like, about his boss not coming in right before the lasagna, but they happen right next to one another. It's wild. But anyway, his bitch ass is stuck at a quick stop. And he was supposed to play in a hockey game and decides that he's still going to after okay. he gets his lasagna. Um, so he invites his boys over to come play some hockey on the on the roof. And Dante rightfully gets no love from anybody before or during the game because he is a, b- a baby back bish. Well, they don't, they don't know anything about that. No, they don't. But they just like, he, he just is kind of a sad sack character. Like he, he's getting pushed around. He's like, he's like, Wants to be a people pleaser, but secretly hates everybody. 
And he like the whole conversation that he has with his buddy about the Gatorade and his his buddy's just like, You're gonna let us play here, like you're closing the store. Well, I, I actually <laughs> agree with Dante on that conversation. I, mean, I like, do too, but he his friends up... is just trying to mooch off of him. Yeah, but then he agrees to give him the Gatorade. Like he's got no yeah. backbone. That's true. And so they go on, and then up on the roof while they're playing the hockey game, Dante gets so fucking disrespected by that dude who's trying to go in the store. Like the guy who comes up, and he like he's. He hears the guy tries to go into the store. Hears them playing hockey up on, on top of the roof. Climbs up a ladder onto the roof to be like, "Hey, why don't you do your fucking job and quit playing hockey?" And then Dante is a real dick to him, and he comes up and he's like, "I'll fucking I'll beat your ass in hockey right now." So Dante's like, "Okay, guy wearing tennis shoes, how about you come up here and face off with me, who is wearing rollerblades, and we'll see who's better." <laughs> And the guy just like plants his feet and busts Dante over he because does, he he's does. not wearing rollerblades and he actually can get traction. And Dante is humiliated and learns that he's not very smart because all he had to do was realize that this guy could just knock him over so easily. And he well, and like, the, oh, no. well, the big thing that he does is he, he hits the ball away. Yeah, he hits the ball away, and Dante's mad that nobody else brought an extra ball, which well, is like. There's, there's a thing about this scene, too, is that that guy that we're talking about. He is, um, he's actually part of the only special effects in the film. Yeah. Because he is the same actor as Snowball. Yes. That is the guy with the guy with the beard that's yeah. just wandering around like a drug out. Uh, I think his actual character's name is like drug addled man baby. Yeah. And, or something <laughs> like that. Which is a great character name. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, uh, he looks down from the ladder and sees drug addled man baby, which is him. And that, so that's. The only special effects in the movie. Yeah. Well, also, the same guy plays um, the guy who tries to buy a pack of cigarettes after the Chili's gum scene. Like, he's one, he pelts Dante with the cigarettes in that, like, mob, fucking, that that anti-cigarette mob. Which is a really interesting, because if you look at the composition of that scene, you might be like, I was kind of wondering, like, why did they shoot it from behind everyone? Yeah. You never shoot it from Dante's perspective. Like, they never put the camera around the counter. Did you ever notice that? It's always from behind them. Well, they, don't, they do it one time in that scene, right? No, they never bring the camera around. Okay. No, the camera stays behind. They stays at that framing for that entire scene. I thought we got Dante's POV when they start pelting cigarettes at him. No. Okay. I remember it differently. Yeah, and, and, and again, that's two different scenes. Like, that's two different sections of the scene. You have the, the opening conversation between the two guys around Dante... And there's a cut before it's the group of guys. And then at that point, the camera starts moving inside of the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So you might get a POV. I think you, you do get a POV when the cigarettes are flying. Yeah. But that's not the scene I was talking about. And secondly, what I'm getting at is the reason that they composed like that, I thought, you know, I thought of a bunch of different reasons. One, the main thing is, though, so you can use the same actor twice. Yeah. Because he shot behind him. Yeah. So you never saw that guy's face, and that guy gets used again. Yeah, he gets used. He gets used there. He's the the guidance counselor who's trying to get the perfect dozen of. Dozen no, 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 different guy. I'm I'm talking about the original guy that comes in to try to buy the cigarettes. He gets used again at the at the very end. Um, he's like one of the random people that wanders in. But yeah, the guy that I was talking about was the guy who he gets used three times. Who try yeah, who tries to buy the cigarettes after that scene. That's who I was talking. Yeah, about. and the and the guy that the the guidance counselor that buys the perfect dozen eggs, he gets used three times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's one of Kevin Smith's best friends, who was in the show Comic Book Men. Yeah, who actually owns the comic book shop. Like yeah. that's like the king of the comic books. 
Um, but what it serves to do is what I'm what I was trying to get at. Liam. <laughs> well, you weren't listening to me. You were you were gibbering. I said the guy who buys the cigarettes after the Chulies gum scene. And then you went on to talk about your own shit. I was trying, that's on I was you. trying to let you know about, that's some, on you, about some stuff. Player. That's what I was going That's the point I was about to make. I was about to talk about the guy who was in the movie three different times. And you were like, no, nah, this other dude was in it. <laughs> two times. He was in it two times. Like, Several people were in it. I was two like, times. I'm about to talk about this guy who's going to be in it three times. And you're like, stop talking about that, Liam. This one guy was in it two times. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is by shooting behind these actors and framing like this, it, it makes these scenes way better because you don't get to see their bad acting. Yeah, and he and he stays wide, yeah. and that's something I've learned. If you stay wide with worse actors, and you don't front show them front wise, don't put the camera right in front of their face. Put the camera to the side of their head. Yeah. Put the camera behind them enough so that they can cheat and you can see some of their face. But if you can't straight up see their face, it hides a lot of the acting because yeah. a lot of your acting is done on your face. It's yeah. done with your expression. <laughs> Kevin Smith was like, "Not so much with the emotions for you guys. I really just need you hollering." I, everyone does a yell. Yeah, which <laughs> is like, John Carpenter's same philosophy in the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the acting in the thing is literally like, "You don't know what the fuck you're doing." <laughs> yeah, from shot from down yeah. the hall. Yeah, <laughs> like that's. So I really like that. I I, I like a. Uh, I like shooting close to hide special effects. Yeah, and I like shooting wide. To hide bad acting. Them low budge tricks, I'm telling I'm, you. I'm learning them. Them low budge tricks. That's what this cult of classics is really about. It's about low budge tricks. Low budge tricks. The low budge lessons we learned from clerks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, after the, uh, the, the, after he loses, they lose the ball, their hockey game gets cut short. Uh, Dante is thoroughly humiliated and good thoroughly, because he thoroughly. sucks. Um, <laughs> and we know that by that, uh, that stupid little sound effect, like yeah. The music also in this movie, the music cues are like you can tell that it came out in '94. Well, super '94. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which version you saw, but I think when the movie got released, Miramax brought in this uh, what Kevin Smith dubbed a very overproduced soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was very like. like okay, very a lot. Okay, so we gonna we gonna be. Have you said anything about the uh, inner titles throughout the film? What did you think about those? They are. They, I mean, they're effective. They 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 help break up the movie very well, um, and they also it helps because this is like a very 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 loose adaptation or like retelling of Dante's Inferno, which is why the main character's name is Dante, uh, and there are nine of them, which are supposed to be representative of the nine rings of hell. Um, but I think God, it's loose though. It's real for loose. That, that, that's super real loose, loose bro. <laughs> like I think I was just like, I think Kevin Smith maybe started with that idea and, or said it afterwards. Yeah, and he, or he like just realized there were there were nine like titles and his main character was named Dante. It probably wasn't that that after the fact, but like the what they really achieve is break in a movie that is all dialogue mm-hmm. with like maybe three minutes on screen of any kind of action or even like movement leaving the same location, it breaks up the movie so that you now know like, okay, we're in a different scene. We're in a different time. Like if if you, if you just watch an hour and a half of people talking in a convenience store, you would have, it'd be really, especially with the shutters closed, doing all night shoots. Yeah. It'd be really difficult to tell like how much time had passed. If it was like hours or minutes or like you would start running into continuity shit here and there. Like, it, people would just seem to appear out of nowhere, um, and that's how what I think the titles are actually the most effective at. And they can they they kind of much like with sketches, they introduce like a new theme and a new like section of the movie. 
Yeah. That's how, that's how I feel. I also really like um, the cat in the store. Yeah, I like and, the cat and in the They actually too. had to stop production because the cat got out one night. <laughs> so they had to go get the cat. That's a low-budget movie problem. Yeah. And it's great because the cat is literally in, in film school or in a film class, they'll teach you the cat on the windowsill technique. Like, basically, if you need to a point in your edit to cut away from because you're either doing, like, a set change, uh, a lighting change or something. So you need to be able to go away from the action and then be able to come back to it. You use a cat on the windowsill technique, which is where, where if you see a cat in a room and in and, and a wide of a scene and then we go into people talking and you cut to the cat on the windowsill, it it's very cinematic and it gives you that point in your edit that you need. Yeah. So Kevin Smith literally just includes... Um, the cat in the store yeah. and even go so far at the one point for the cat to take a shit <laughs> in a litter box on the counter. And the cat actually did take a shit on set in the litter box. And I, and I was like looking at the cat's face as it, in the movie. And I was like, Oh, that's the face a cat makes when it takes a shit. <laughs> yeah. That cat is actually taking a shit and you can actually hear it. <laughs> the dropping sound of that cat taking a dump right there. It's that kind of realism that really makes s- clerks stand it, the test of time. Yeah, it dude. sells it. It sells it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that we after we get back to the to the store after the hockey game, and then we immediately like we have like five seconds, and then we leave again because Randall tells Dante that one of his uh, former lovers has died, and they go to her wake where off screen shenanigans ensue, and you can really tell. Doesn't doesn't the, don't they show the scene in Clerks too? They, I think in Clerks 2, they actually, like, don't they take us through the scene? Uh, do they talk about it or do they show I it? I thought they showed it. In some movie, they, they show it. Well, there's they may, they probably did it in Clerks 10. Like, there was a 10-year re-release of this oh, movie. Oh, okay. And they include, I think, like, some of the stuff that... Because they didn't have... They just didn't have the budget to shoot this scene. They didn't actually shoot it. Then. No, it was written, but they couldn't shoot it because they didn't have enough money. So they just, like, have the off-screen shenanigans, and then they talk about what happened. And, and they get the, the exposition... They just showed up at this place with yeah. a camera and and the actors and the police <laughs> are just in, like what and then they run out yeah <laughs> and um, the DP is one of the guys uh, with his back turned oh yeah who runs out and shakes his fist at him yeah they um yeah they, they there's that and then there was another scene cut uh, that's on Clerks Ten. Um, which is the the original ending of the movie. The, oh, where Dante gets shot? Yeah, the original ending of the movie is Dante gets shot and killed. Like, Randall leaves, a, a guy comes in to rob him, shoots and kills him, and then another guy comes in after the robber leaves, sees Dante dead on the ground, and just steals a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Very dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith, I think Kevin Smith has said that, like, one, he wrote that, that he was, he it was up to him whether or not that was going to be the end of the movie. I think Miramax was like, nope. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, you can, but, like, don't. And um, also, he's, he said he was inspired by Do the Right Thing, like, with the comedy movie having a very dark yeah. ending. Um, but, yeah, so that and the wake scene are two of the, the scenes that don't make it into the actual movie. But, really, the only reason to have this wake scene... The wake scene's in the daytime, too. Yeah, it's in the daytime, and they film it in the daytime, but they don't really film... I think they maybe they film the interior of the store in the daytime for, for nope. the beginning. Or they probably just put like bought like a light and put it on the door. But the, like when they're talking oh, about oh, going yeah, to yeah, awake yeah. inside the actual store, they put, they put a light outside the door. Yeah, and then they actually they filmed everything else outside. Um, and the only reason to really have this in plot wise, if you're not going to actually shoot the wake scene and have another bit of action to cut up all the time that we spend in the quick stop, is just to have to build up Dante's 
perceived like irresponsibility and show him closing the store again for like kind of a weak ass reason. Like it's a girl that he hasn't known, no, seen or known in years, and he just really wants to go to this wake to see his friends. Hey, I have a, I have a thing to posit to you. Yeah, why Clerks is successful, kind of, and seemingly maybe why Trailer Park Boys is successful, because they both kind of remind me of the same thing that it it, it gives some kind of importance to mundane lives. Yeah. Like, it's like, you can be intelligent, is- interesting, um, have a community, and have what you do be important in, an, in, a, in a smaller sense, in a smaller world. Like, you can be a giant in a small land, like in Clerks and, and in the Trailer Park Boys. Um, maybe that's why people love this so much. Because I remember loving the quick stop and wanting to work at the quick stop. Yeah. Just like I wanted to live in the Sunnyvale trailer park, trailer park and trailer park boys. And I wonder if that's the kind of the same, that's kind of the essence of it is that I was like, it just, they were important. You know, they were, they were do, they, they were doing things that were important in their world. Yeah. Well, this is like the truth. Like it's a, it's a like slice of life is a good storytelling mechanism. And this is like a good, I mean, Trailer Park Boys is just like a, a, many slices of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, uh, they, they are they're good. They're good ways to tell stories that aren't like super exciting, like action movie stories or super intense dramas. Like you can tell a good story that's not about anything particularly important. I think you really the case there is that you have to be usually funny. Yeah, you have to be funny. You have to be funny, and you have to be a good writer. Yeah. Um, and I think Kevin Smith is both those things. Give give your characters weight too. Like give like Randall and and Dante they ha- they have weight. Yeah, you know like they they're they are very involved in their shit. Yeah, you know. And because they're what they do for a living isn't very important. They focus entirely on themselves. I mean, well, Dante focuses entirely on him, on himself and his personal problems, and Randall is just fucking in it for gigs. Like he's just trying to have some some jokes. Well, he actually has um, a lot of development throughout the movie. Like me watching Clerks again recently, like that after they have uh, the catharsis uh, intertitle cut and they fight in the store. Yeah, um, and they're sitting there, and Dante bitches him out. And you see Randall kind of like he, he has some emotional yeah realization yeah well because they're they're actually friends too yeah. like that that comes across more than anything in the all the inane conversations they have about nothing I mean what you learn about them as characters is that they're like best friends I think this is lost in a lot of films that have kind of copied Clerks because Randall actually has that moment too uh, again going to what you're saying about them being friends where he threatens um, the what's her name Caitlin Caitlin. And saying, like, hey, if you break his heart again, I'll kill you. Yeah. It's just territorial. I knew him first. Yeah. And you see that he actually gives a shit about something. And yeah. the thing that he gives a shit about is Dante. Yeah. And, you know, and Randall is actually pretty self-aware. He he knows that he sees the futility of life and the futility of trying to be successful. Uh, but he also, but he, there's no futility in, in, in friendship. Yeah. And having a human connection. Even, even the... The, the the witty comeback machine, the, the the constant critic, the cynic, yeah, still values that one connection he's been able to make in life, yeah, and is still um, content with his own life, yeah. Um, which a lot of films, I think, they don't have this heart aspect, yeah. They because Cler- Clerks has heart right there. It's saying like, no, 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 these people actually care about each other. They're heart. not just quit machines. It's heart, yeah. They're yeah. not. They're not just one liners. Like these guys actually are people. Yeah, that's the most. You, you have to have the, the way that you sell a story about 
people working shitty jobs is that you have to have compelling characters. And what's compelling about them is their relationship with one another. So you have to actually care about the people and you have to care about how they feel about one another. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So act three, Dante and Caitlin plus everything else. Um, Back at the quick stop, Dante learns Caitlin was cheating on him consistently during their relationship from the guy she was cheating with, who doesn't recognize him immediately. And the funny thing is, is that actress was Kevin Smith's ex-girlfriend and <laughs> did, and Kevin Smith did suspect, had sex with that guy. Really? Yes. So that scene was pretty, pretty... On the nose. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy was going to play Dante, but had differences of opinion about the character. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he got booted off they were like, well, to you Rick Darris. He will be in the movie for five minutes. And somehow <laughs> I'm supposed to believe that you are swole because you have a big shirt on. Yeah. I was like, you are not swole. Yeah. He's like, feel that. And she like goes, but she, you, tell, you can tell she can't really go in too far on the shirt. Otherwise, the poof will go away. I was like, and you'll man. You'll see a little noodle arm. I was like, you are not swole, <laughs> bro. Yeah. Um, and it's it's... This scene is hilarious because he finds out that she was, that Caitlin was cheating, when they were dating, Dante and Caitlin were dating, she was cheating on him with this Rick Darris guy, but he's like astounded to find out, but he already knew that she had cheated on him a bunch with like a bunch of different people. It was just this guy she was cheating on him with consistently, and (laughs) after all, after finding this out and being humiliated in front of another girl... Again. Who they took a line out because Rick Darius apparently talked about wanting to take girls to the beach because that's where he'd fuck them. And that's why the girl says, like, at the end she says, like, you want to go to the beach? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that line got taken out. Okay. But, like, after all this, Dante still wants to get back with Caitlin because he is an ineffectual moron who lives to shoot himself in the foot. Um, and sleeps in the closet. And sleeps in the closet like a like a monster. I was like, bro, there weren't even beer cans in the room. No, he was just he's just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like I got locked here. I don't. I really don't like Dante. Yeah, I don't like him either. But um, and like right after this, or actually during this, Dante gets fined five hundred dollars from a tobacco like law enforcer fine giver guy, who <laughs> because earlier in the day. Randall sells an, a literal toddler, a toddler. cigarettes yeah. because just every life is pain and everybody in this movie is not a good person. But, yeah. but all that's okay because Caitlin calls and then shows up to tell him that, to tell Dante that she R. definitely... R.I.P. too. R.I.P. This woman has passed away. Oh, R.I.P. Um, but she shows up to tell him basically like trying to fuck. And her and Randall actually dated. Oh, really? They were married for a year. Oh, God damn. Look at that. Darwin went on a trivia deep dive. <laughs> went on a deep, a deep a dive. Yeah. Um, and so she was just like, I don't fuck. I don't want to get married, but like, you want to date? Maybe. I don't know. Definitely fuck. Definitely we both cheat on our significant others. Um, and then she leaves to tell her family that she's not marrying her fiance, who is an Asian design major. I don't know why they always have to preface the design major part with Asian. I think on paper, it's supposed to seem, it's supposed to be a, a joke about like whether or not he is majoring in Asian design or he is oh, an Asian, Asian person who is a design yeah, major. Yeah, I was going to say, because his I name like, is Sang. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think it's one of those jokes that But works. they never address it. No. They never question it. And he does make, like, Dante does this weird thing where he makes fun of his name. His name, Her fiance's yep. name is Sang. And he's like past tense. Like past tense of Sang. Um, he doesn't even say Sang. He just says past tense. Yeah. Like his name is Sang. Past tense? Yeah. It's like, 
Well, you too clever for your own good. It's like, this all works better on paper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these people are trash. <laughs> Dante, uh, <laughs> Zach Morris is trash. <laughs> leaves again uh, and has Randall uh, watch the store to, so that Dante can go change for his big date with Caitlin, presumably forgetting that he had already made plans with his actual girlfriend earlier when she brought him lasagna to work. Uh, and Caitlin shows back up while Dante's gone, um, and, and uh, has to ride that 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 corpse deep. Yeah, she uh, like she shows up and Randall, Randall just has that hermaphrodite porn going. She's like, "I'll have a conversation with you out in this you know public area where you're watching, hermaphrodite, you're watching hermaphrodite porn, porn yeah. because this is how we live down here in the gutter." <laughs> and yeah, then she goes to the bathroom and fucks a corpse. <laughs> um, and excuse me, Sonny, do you have the magazines, <laughs> the ones with the big titties? <laughs> Maybe the one behind that one in your hand. The titties are bigger than that one. (laughs) Yeah, this guy that Dante had... Do you have the rough rough kind or the soft stuff? Also, there's no way that Dante didn't know that this dude was going into his bathroom to jerk off. off. Well, he did, but he wore him down. Yeah. He wore him down. That was a really weird scene. And then this is... Maybe a tad anti-Semitic. This is where... uh, (laughs) This is where... The movie, like, this is one of the scenes, this whole exchange where Dante shows up, Caitlin comes out of the bathroom having just fucked a corpse. And just, it's an insane premise. Like, he went big on on what happens to Caitlin, but like, completely off screen. Yeah, all off screen. And the. Then the erection of the dead guy just grows throughout. Like, by the time he's in the ambulance, the erection is like. Yeah, it's like a foot tall. Yeah. It's fucking. He, uh, but he. This is where the acting really shows up because it's where the main actors have to react to all finding out together yeah. that one of them just fucked a dead, fucked guy. A dead guy. And Caitlin doesn't do a, a stand-up job. Like she doesn't do a great job here. No. You could t- I mean like it's shock, but like <laughs> the guy who plays Dante his reaction is like somebody in there just raped Caitlin. Like he's just like not that worried about it. Well, when he eventually, well, he doesn't know what he thinks that she got raped. Yeah, well, he, does, know, she, he doesn't know that there's a dead guy. No, like, but he yeah. does think that presumably there's a rapist in oh, his yeah, bathroom. Oh yeah, no, no, his reaction is terrible. Yeah, reaction is terrible. But the, the one of the funniest shots in the movie though is of Caitlin leaving in the ambulance. Like when they when they oh, go yeah, outside yeah, yeah. and, and she's putting, just shook and they're putting the fucking dead guy she just fucked in the ambulance with her, and she's just sitting there looking. so... So shook. Why would she? I think in the on the DVD commentary, um, one of the guys says like, "What monster would put her in the ambulance <laughs> with the dead guy? <laughs> like, why would she be in the ambulance with the dead guy? <laughs> it makes zero sense. It's it so makes terrible. no sense. Yeah, for her to be in the ambulance with this foot long erection." <laughs> Just fucking tit pulling up this this thing, and then Snowball wanders in too. Yeah, Snowball just gets in, and he just he just sits down, just wandering off. He's just like, all right, let's go, Sonny. We have the soft stuff, (laughs) you know, the rough stuff is mud on my hemorrhoid. (laughs) But um, yeah, so um, that's uh, that's what happens to Caitlin. Um, Dante uh, after after all this has an exchange with Jay and Silent Bob. Um, who I know we haven't talked about a, a whole lot, but did they, you talk about how Veronica caught him cheating, and like whooped the shit out of him? Oh yeah, well that happens after he talks to Jay and Silent Bob. Okay, so he talks to Jason or Jay and Silent Bob, and the idea this is where the idea begins to like 
dawn on him that he is a moron. And I don't know if he ever fully understands that. I don't. I think it takes literally getting punched in the eye before he is willing to start accepting that he's a moron. But here is where Silent Bob lays down the the wisdom on him. He's like, "There's a million fine-looking women in the world." God, he barely gets this line out. Yeah, most <laughs> hardly any of them bringing lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. And it's like Kevin Smith's like, "I got cheated on. Yeah. I am Dante. I am Dante. Yeah. This movie is about me. <laughs> this is about me. I, I am a cheated. piece of shit. <laughs> I don't know if he's a piece of shit. No, I don't think so. But the character is definitely a piece of shit. Yeah. But um, yeah. But while Dante is talking with Jay and Silent Bob, Randall is talking with Veronica in the video store, and he's just you know. I guess trying to help his boy by being like, here, you're too much of a pussy to tell Veronica how you feel, so I'll just tell her for you. <laughs> and then she comes into the store and beats the shit out of Dante and gives him the verbal beatdown that he so, so, greatly, so deserves, greatly deserves. So greatly deserves. Yeah. Like, and um, yeah, she breaks up with him, and everybody is clapping at this point because Dante is terrible and deserves to be alone. And <laughs> Dante and Randall, then that's when they have their fight. Um, and they, when, after they finish, like they're both laying on the ground. Randall's been choked out. Dante's been punched in the eye. You didn't have to choke me. You didn't have to choke me. And also, the guy who plays Randall would have definitely beaten the shit out of the guy who plays oh, Dante. Easily. 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 He is not an intimidating person. Like, he just was a goof of truth. What are you talking about? There's no fat on my body. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's... What are you talking about? <laughs> you know you ain't strong. You a little pudge pudge. I heard you groan when you <laughs> tried to lift that milk. Yeah. What do you lift? What do you bench? 60? Yeah. Of course I can bench more than that. Of course I can bench more than that. Like, what am I doing? Jersey Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but th- this is where Randall really lights into him and lets him know. He's just like, he's like, you are miserable. You make yourself miserable, and you're too much of a pussy to do anything to try and keep yourself from being miserable and yeah. climb out of your misery. And Dante's just like, oh. And this is why this movie is good, though, because Kevin Smith wrote truly. Yeah. Like, this this writing is from his own experience. Mm-hmm. That's why it all works. Yeah. Like, that's why these lines resonate, and we feel we, we feel these characters, and they're not, they're, they're alive to us. Yeah. Like, even if we don't like them, we feel them because they're real, because he wrote from his own experience and his own feelings. This is the way Kevin Smith felt either about himself at the time he wrote it or yeah. earlier. With like, some distance, maybe. Yeah, you know, this is this is realness. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean... To say everything about like Dante being a shitty character, like he is a a, a legitimately flawed character, and that is what makes him interesting. Like what furthers right. the plot is him being a fuck up, and like we watch him over the course of this day learn do everything he can to stop from you know looking at himself in the mirror and growing. But by the by the end, it takes such a hard shock from his best friend laying down the fucking law to him that he like actually. Learns and grows. Yeah. We hope. Um, so, yeah, Dante and Randall make up, and we end with Randall silly walking out of the store and throwing the we're open sign at Dante. He's like, you're Dante, closed. Dante gets shot in the head, and the camera zooms in on his <laughs> yeah. eye. His eye is actually a black opal, and goes through. <laughs> yeah. It's uncut gems. And that's clerks. It's uncut gems. It's uncut gems. Spoilers for uncut gems. My God, that was not that old. <laughs> um <laughs> Give up! Give up! <laughs> um, but yeah, closing thoughts. Um, this movie really has a lot of 
good, solid humor in it. And it's incredibly significant in the world of independent cinema, just in terms of like this story, the story of, of Clerks getting made is a very inspiring story. And it is something to hold on to if you don't really have like the connections or the money or, you know, anything like if you're just, if you're just a, a person who doesn't have a lot of access, but really is passionate about movie making. And it's, you know, if you have the talent and you get very lucky, then you can make a movie and you can become yeah. a director. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to watch a movie where the characters are at work the whole time. I mean, they're, cause aside from like, you know, spy movies and shit, like where your job is a spy or like your job is a soldier. A great, a, a great point on top of that, Liam is, um, because the characters are at work, uh, well, not because, but in addition to uh, another thing that I think you can take away from clerks is if you see Randall or Dante talking, they rarely look at each other. Yeah. Which is another technique, I think, to hide bad acting. Yeah. In addition to the wide, in addition to shooting behind or the profile of actors, if you always have their eyes and face looking at a newspaper or a magazine mm-hmm. or something else, and then they're not they're not having to respond to one another because that's the hardest thing between a good actor and a bad actor is a bad actor is, is saying lines that he memorized yeah. and a good actor is actually responding as, like as internalized yeah, the lines. It's timing and reaction. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that also allows, uh, cause a lot of this dialogue while good is written in, and it's like, it's like a, it's characters responding to each other either incredibly quickly and snappy right. or like, it's just a series of monologues back and forth. Yep. And when you're delivering a monologue, you don't have to look at the other person. Yeah. And it's, it's also, it, it would actually kind of be awkward unless it was a very like emotional or important conversation that you were having with somebody to look them in the eye while you're just delivering this fucking two page monologue about return of the Jedi. Right. You know? So it, it, it does. It's a, that's a really smart, low budget tricks, low budget tricks, low budget tricks from here from the cult of class. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when characters are work the whole time doing this inane job, it's, it's a very, um, interesting setting for like the entire movie to be, to be put in. Um, and a lot of, Dialogue-driven movies too. Like characters will have jobs that we never see them do because it's just like two guys having a fo- like a philosophical stare down in a cafe or like somebody is like or sunset like Sunset Limited or whatever it's called where like it's just Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson having a conversation about suicide in Tommy Lee Jones' apartment and he like talks about being professor but you never see him do his job because that would not be very interesting. Nope. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin Smith does a really good job of balancing the silly banter and the sketch style scenes with actual relevant plot. He does, um, and uh, yeah, as, as as far as being in the cult is concerned, I, I definitely am not as like fervent a member as I used to be when I because I gotta say, watching this movie at Fifteen is a wildly different experience than watching it. At, it was at my favorite movie. Yeah, I, I I really liked this movie when it came out. And I, it was like my whole heart and soul. Like yeah. the Clerks was it blew me away. I was I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, when I was when I was a teenager. Yeah, it was just like and it was and if you're a teenager, you watch this movie. Yeah, you will fucking love it. You will fucking love it. <laughs> like and it's 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 because it's lovable yeah. to to young people especially because that's who it's about. Um, but this movie is, it's important, you know, and it's, 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 I would recommend watching it even to somebody who had never seen it before that was my age or older. Um, but you know, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the cult still. I'm in the cult too. I'm in the cult because in the cult too. it's a significant movie. I mean, it actually just last year was, uh, it entered into the, the Library of Congress 
on grounds of being like a significant film. A significant film. Um, it, it truly is. And you know, I, it spawned the whole view view a universe. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From Kevin Smith, which yeah, like it's a production company. Yeah, it's 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 an important movie, and and Kevin Smith, he he's made some really good movies. I mean, lately he hadn't exactly been on a hot streak, but I would definitely, you know, he's I, still a solid director. He's still yeah, a solid guy, and I would definitely see whatever he wanted to put out next. You know, I might not pay for it. <laughs> but uh, but I will watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 in the cult. I go to a meeting every now and then to stay in the loop on things. What about you? Yeah, I'm still in the cult of Clerks. I love. I, I still love this movie. Yeah, I have I have nostalgia, deep nostalgia love in my heart for this. It's movie. It's still important and it's still inspirational to me. I mean, to this day, I haven't made a feature uh, film of my own writing, so it still inspires me. And there's still things that I learned from it when I watch it. So yeah, it's still a good movie. And it's an ama- the the story of making it is an amazing story too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to Cult of Classics. Um, I have been your host, Liam Kelly, joined as always by Tarell Patterson. Tarell Patterson, Chanfrau, Chanfrau. Chanfrau, Chanfrau, and Associates, Incorporated, trademark. Um, <laughs> thank, uh, yeah, you listened. We appreciate that. <laughs> Listen again uh, next week to the final episode of this first season of Cult of Classics. Um, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of extra leeway to make the show better and more fun to listen to for you. And um, yeah, Birmingham, my partner, now. <laughs>